after the fact, chuckle at ourselves when we're saying the same thing, we're saying it in different ways, but we're, well, don't you get this? Don't you understand this? I want to go this way. Turn it up. Well, I mean, up means down. It's like the air conditioner. Turn the air conditioner up. Doesn't mean turn it up. Up. It means it turn it down because you want it to be cooler. It's set on cool, or if it's on heat, turn it up. You know, you, you want it to be hotter, or turn it down, you want it to be cool. Anyway, we get confused in all these kind of things. But, when we look at what Paul addresses to Timothy here, we, we see that there are some problems and difficulties, and, and a mentality, I'm calling it a mentality, that Timothy was having to deal with. So let's begin here in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, verse 1. So he says, but mark this, I'm reading from the NIV, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And this complicates it. Having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with it. So you, well, how do you have nothing to do with them? It's have nothing to do with the way in which they do things. So these are warnings in his time, and as well as our time. So now when we think about, well, the last days, in the, in the last days that are going to happen, well, I believe this happened in Timothy's day. It is happening in our days. And it appears, and we all tend to say, well, it appears as if things were getting worse, not better. So perilous times with a perilous mentality it is a departure from the focus of God. It is a departure from living lawfully. It is a departure from living responsibly. And that is a big issue in the world in which we live. I had a brief conversation with my neighbor the other day. And he was headed off on vacation. He said, I just need to get away from it because I just, you know, I've been working and I can't find a hotel and people don't want to work. They come when they want to come, and they don't come when they don't want to come. And you think, okay, well, what impact does the scripture have on that? Is, is that okay? Thank you. I can do what I want to do when I want to do. I can work if I want to or not work. Well, I would just quote the scripture that Jesus is quoting in the book of John. I work, and my father works. Work is a, a bad thing. And now I understand that we live in a world that wants to play. We all want to play. And, but the reality is that we're going to be responsible. What we're going to see here, responsibility, is in opposition to these characteristics that we find that Paul is listing. So what makes them in perilous times? Well, if you're a wretch, we talk about, in our world today, people, more and more people having road rage. Yeah. 
regret, we talk about people being very, very impulsive. Uh, we talk about uh, people being mean and getting meaner. There is the you know, talk of the game, the M13, and how mean and brutal that they are. Um, and they just really very mean and brutal. And of course, it terrorizes people within the community. Gangs do that. But there are all kinds of things that can terrorize us in our life today. They're, they're parallel subjects. So, how are the last days different from our last days, Timothy's last days, and, and our last days? And will the last days change the way in which we live? For example, if we knew that this, let's say the next month, we're going to be the last days of our life. We have 30 days in which to live. We could change anything. So well, I'm not changing anything, but I will do a lot of things. Things I've been wanting to do. But how could the very last day of your last day be? What would be different about it? How would you think? What kind of confidence would you have? What would you, again, how would you be approaching And then we want to ask this question, will God be any different in the last days? Will God change and be different in the last days? And is there any hope in these last days? We have people who are called survivors. They are looking toward a, with the last days mentality of how they're going to survive. So how are they going to survive? Well, first of all, they're going to have guns. They're going to have things to protect themselves, but not just protect themselves, also protect everything that they have. And what do they have? They have a stockpile of food to make sure that they survive. And they have a mentality around that of how they're going to survive. Now you take that in terms of nations. Nations want to survive. And when you think about the mentality, let's just take an example of North Korea's mentality in terms of its leadership. Incredible paranoia of you know, trying to develop weapons and developing weapons, but the people themselves are taught by their governments and they're very much afraid of us, that we're going to destroy them, and the people themselves are so cool. While the leader of the country does have a few stylish cars, and a few big bank accounts, and those things, and the people are suffering while he In terms of being rich, if what was it? One of his generals he didn't like, or someone, anyway, threw him to the dogs, and the dogs, you know, devoured him. Makes people around you be a little skeptic and a little fearful and the like. We're talking about how people operate. And when we get ourselves into a last days mentality, we're oftentimes kind of like a caged animal that's cornered, and we fight ferociously. So it appears that all these traits mentioned by Paul have a common thread. And that common thread that I see in this is self. 
The last ten days of mentality has this huge core or this huge thread of stuff. It's about selfishness, it's about being self-centered, it is about being self-promoting, it is about being self-protecting, it is about being self-exalting, it is about self-interest, it is narcissistic, and it is self-loving and self-serving. Now, when everyone, if everyone were living this way, and of course there's never been a time in history when mankind has lived this way, oh, there is a scripture that says there was no judge in Israel, and so everybody did what was right in their own eyes. When we all become self-serving, and if this is the mentality, we're, we're trying to preserve our own life, that which we see as ours, that we become, that the only focus that we have is indeed ourselves. So, we're busy about protecting self, thinking about the self, and if you don't think people, in terms of thinking about boasting and what comes to my mind are people's residents, or the class reunion, you ever go to a class reunion? When you come to a class reunion, everybody is a bit self-promoting. <laughs> they, 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 they try to look their best, act their best, talk their best, talk about all the good things that they have, have done and what they have accomplished. Very few people, it's difficult. Facebook, in a way, is kind of like a class reunion. You put things on there about how, how you're managing a number of things, but it, it is a bit self-promoting in a way. And I'm not trying to be negative towards it, I'm just talking about the reality of we live in a boastful world. If you're a sports star, it's very difficult to say, you know, I, I just played this game, and if I don't boast, about who, who I am, how much I can do, I can outscore everybody else, I can do these things, then your contract is going to be minimal. So if we live in a boastful world, it's difficult not to outpost one another. So, or outstory tell one another. Well, I caught a fish this big. Well, my fish was this big. Well, this was that. Well, let me tell you my story. And I was a bit pretty bad about that. In terms of, well, how about this? Have you heard of this? I mean, it's just, it's, it's our human nature. So in the last days, our lives, when we think about it, is about profiting in the flesh, in this life, in our own self. And the last day of our lives can become ferocious, and very, very selfish. We don't want to die. We don't want to move on. We want to hold on to as much as we have. It is about self-preservation, and it's all about the flesh. Now, Jesus has a different take on this. We read this, and I put this in here in our Bible, in your notes. What Jesus said is recorded here in John chapter 6 and verse 63. He's talking to his disciples here, and he's talking about the things that he's teaching. 
And he tells them this in verse 63. The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. So when we look at that in contrast to Second Timothy here, where it is all about the flesh, then we read what Jesus says, and then we recognize that the flesh, and for the majority of those sitting here in this congregation today, you have lived the majority of your life already. You are on the downhill side of the flesh. You are headed to the other side of the fleshly life. So the flesh in and of itself does not give us life. But in the last days, in the last days of mentality, it is all about the flesh that we're thinking about. Jesus' words give us spirit. I mean, give us love. So, verse 5, it says, they worship God, having a form of godliness, but denying his power. Now, we, we talk about God, but we take all the power, or in the way you might say it, is we take out all the fame, all the team, all the power that he has, and we put in our power. So we live in a world today where people talk a lot about God. But what kind of power does God have in their life? Can God tell you what to do and how to live? We live in a world where our ideas, we tend to think that our ideas are better than God's ideas. This is not at all what we find in Jesus at all. We find a totally different attitude. Now Paul had already made this point to Timothy in chapter 1, verses 6-7 through 7, about God's involvement in his life. In verse, verse 6 here of chapter 1, Paul says to, to Timothy, he wanted to remind him, he says, For this reason I remind you to fan up the flame of the gift of God, which is the laid on my hand. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and self-discipline. This is the mentality that God gives us through what? Through the Holy Spirit. And how does the Holy Spirit empower us? It is the mind of God. It is guiding us into all truth. It is directing us. And so this gift of the Holy Spirit is about power, it is about love, and self-discipline. We, we, we cannot do this on our own. So the Spirit of God is about a sound mind. It's about a way of thinking. It's about a way of doing. It's about a way of life to be lived then and now. So, Jesus, this statement is made of Jesus in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. With that thought in mind, we then again ask that question. Is there a change to be made in our last days mentality or is there a way of life that we live throughout life? God, it's in Malachi, it's Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, it's not in your notes, but it says, I am the Lord, I change not. 
Now, God is the same, continues to be the same. He is not living some other life, and then will make a great change at the end, nor should we. Because our past and present and our future, and this is, this is the thing that I see about Jesus, that just as we think about who he is, how he lived, this is in John chapter 8, and I do want to read that because I think it reflects the mentality that we're to have, whether it's the last days of our life, the middle of our life, or the, the last days of this age in which we live. But he mentions here in verse 29, in John chapter 8, verse 28, rather, and through 31. And here's what he said. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be, and that I have nothing on my own, but speak what the Father has taught me. Now, compare that to Timothy there, where Paul Horner. Everything in that is about doing it on your own, your own way. Self-love is pleasure more than love is of God. And, and pleasure is what our world is about. He says, the one who sent me is with me, and he has left he has not left me alone. I always do what pleases him. This is the way of life that we're called to, that we always do what pleases God. And this is contrary to the last days or last times mentality. Always doing what pleases God. Which again is seeing the power of God in our life. And not only seeing it, living the power of God in our life and allowing God to change our heart. Now, there's another point about that is so contrary. Because I'm trying to give you a contrast between the last days, this mentality, and the calling that you and I have in Christ. In John 17, Jesus tells us this, and this is his prayer, this is his desire for us. In John 17, verse 11, here's what Jesus says, so that we might understand. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. As Terry said yesterday, leaving throughout Transman, headed out into the world. The thing that Jesus is telling us is that he's left us here in this world. But while we're in the world, we still do not think as the world thinks. But there is also a whole purpose that he's talking about. And, he's, and he mentions here the purpose. He says that they may be one as we are one. When we isolate ourselves, when we have this lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, when we're boastful, when we're prideful, all of those things. It is not about oneness. You know, Paul talked about esteeming others better than yourself. So he gives us a purpose here in terms of what he is doing, that they may be one. While I was with them, I protected them, and I kept them safe by that name you gave me. None of them lost except the one due to destruction, so the scripture might be fulfilled. 
I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them the word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. So this is the warning that Paul is giving to My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. So we're not going to be removed from this world, and we're not going to be removed from the thinking of this world, and let's not be foolish enough to think that the thinking of this world does not impact us, because it does impact us the way other people think. And then we pick and choose sometimes. Well, I'm going to think like this person thinks. Um, I'm going to be a follower of that person. We ask God to help us think like Jesus thinks. We ask God for the Holy Spirit to work on our lives so that our thinking is different and that we keep swimming upstream in, in the current world, the way this world is given. So he says, none of it has been I'm happy to you that they may be uh, Now, I say these things, but I'm still in the world, so they may be full measure of my joy with them. I've given them the word, and the world has taken They are not the world anymore than I am. Then it says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but they protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am out of it. Sanctify them by truth. Your word is true. As you sent me in the world, I send them in the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. That is set apart. My prayer is not for them alone, but also who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are me and I am you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And this is the difference. What God has called us to is not a matter of us being one having our own way, doing our own thinking and the like, but that we may be one in Christ. That we may be one as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. And there is community, not isolation of we're all pinballs out of their bouncing off of each other, destroying each other. And so it's totally contrary to narcissistic self. It's all about me. Any little child, you know, your, your little kid, and you understand, look at me, look at me, look at me. <laughs> Sometimes we don't run out of that, you know, in, in life, but there is, in Jesus, there is one communion. So when we think about how the understanding of the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the oneness, Jesus, I always do what pleases my, my Father. These are not my own words. This is the world in which we're, we're called into. This is the communion that we're called into. This is the love that we're called into. Not selfishness, not self-centeredness. So Paul goes on to tell us in 2 Timothy, these are my ways of life. This is the way in which I live in verse 10. So it's the opposite way of self-serving. It is, and what we're going to find out, and the point that he makes here, that if you live this way, 
if you live the way that Jesus was called us to, you're going to suffer some persecution. The world is not going to be on your side in this regard. But he says, he tells them here about his own persecution, and he says in verse 12, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Because it is difficult for our world to believe that Jesus knows what he's talking about. And that Jesus knows the truth. And the truth that he has actually sets us free. But notice here what it said and how it To live a godly life, not our human fleshly life, but a godly life in Christ Jesus. This is what, when, when I read that scripture in the Galatians about the equality, you know, there's the bond, free, and it goes on for those who are in Christ. There's a qualifier to that. Because outside of Christ, there's bondage, there's division, there's chaos, there's confusion. So Paul's way is an opposite way. So living godly is going to produce some problems. Now, another point that he makes here in, in Timothy, Timothy is this. Verse 14. And he does say, it's going to get worse and worse. But as you, but as you continue what you've learned, verse 14, and have believed, uh, become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise in salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. Now, what we find here then, which again is contrary to last day's mentality, is we find scripture, its importance to our life, and how we live. And what does Scripture point out to us? You think about it's for correction. If you are rash, if you are abusive, if you are all these things, and let me just go through these things, how does this how does Scripture impact these things? Love of your senses. Scripture says no. We we, we sacrifice for one another. Lovers and money. Scripture tells us no. You know, boast. Scripture tells us to be humble, proud. Oh, you know, our, our pride gets hurt. Abusive. Think about there's domestic abuse, there's verbal abuse, food abuse, emotional abuse. There's all kind of abuses out there. Jesus was never abusive. Never has disobedient to parents? What does Scripture teach us? I always do what my dad said. I, I honor my dad. And, you know, I, I, I honor them. I love them. I'm grateful. Jesus takes the cup of communion, the bread, and says, I give thanks. For the joy that was set before. Scripture tells us that. Unholy? Jesus says you're holy and blameless in his sight. Without love, God is loved. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. I'm forgiving. Father, forgive them. 
They don't know what they do. Slanderous? Oh, no. Because things that are not as though they are. Without self-control, he, he was always under the control of Brutal? Never. Not lovers of good. Oh, Jesus. Scripture shows us that he loved good. In fact, we, we're all familiar with created unto good works. Yes. Yes, prepared in advance. Good works. Treacherous? Oh no. He's faithful. He can always. He was never rash. Even when people did all kinds of things, called him conceited, humble servant is our God. Lovers of pleasure? No. He was a lover of God. And having a form of godliness and denying his power, he says, oh, the Father has all power, and the Father has given me all power in heaven and earth. But, again, he didn't use his power in bad ways. So we think about Scripture. So what Paul is saying to them, Scripture has an impact on the way in which you think. And Scripture is going to breathe. And then when we realize the impact of Scripture, there's another thing that we must understand and appreciate when we think about Scripture. What is Scripture about? Let's turn to John chapter 5 and verse 39. Because here's what Jesus says Scripture is about in verse 39. You diligently... Study the scriptures because you think by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me and have life. Scripture is about Jesus. All the things that we're reading out of scripture is about Jesus. Now notice this contrast is for I do not accept praise from men. But I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name, not even in his own name, he came in his Father's name. And you do not accept it. But if someone else comes in their own name, you will accept it. How can you believe? If you accept praise from one another, and yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God. This is where, and it's amazing how that we become infatuated by people's names. It's like getting your name out there. At the name of Jesus, all names show up. So when you think about this, this is what this is a different mentality that, that Paul is telling Timothy to have. So how does he conclude this then? This this part of what he's writing here? He says, now there's a reason. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God has good works for us all to do. Last day's mentality is about self. It is self-centered. It is very, very, you know, all the things about self. Our present day mentality is all about God. Communion with God, the relationship with God, the love we have with God, how faithful God has been to us, how gracious God has been to us, and sharing it. How we share it 
makes all the difference in the world. We share it. And, and, and even in evangelism, one of the things that we share is love. Do this or you can't hell. This is the way to live. Because this is life. Because God loves you. It's a different take. And that's what we see in Jesus. And so what we see in, in Paul's writing against Timothy in the last day, there will be bad times coming. And it's amazing how we all get infected. Affected, infected, and all that. Because just let some piece of bad news, like Russia or Syria or China or North Korea, or gangs and ghettos and stuff in your neighborhood, and see how suddenly we can become very self-centered. Paul was saying, Timothy, these are the things you preach because it goes on to say. In the presence of God, chapter 4, and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared. In season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. I hope I've tried to present this with patience and instruction, not just to you myself as well. To hear the Apostle Paul, who heard Jesus, who heard the Father, and we know God loves us. Last day's mentality, God is love and God is good. Thank you for us praying this day. Father in heaven, we thank you very much for your love and kindness and mercy to each and every one of us and your great calling. You have called us to life through your Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we give you thanks. And we ask this in Jesus. Feeling the blues today or tired of life already? Do you have questions about life or need spiritual advice? The Worldwide Church of God is located in Fairfield, Santa Rosa, and Modesto, California. We welcome everyone to attend our worship services with us every week at the times listed on your screen.